Hey ladies, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Trisha, and I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. On today's episode, we are going to talk about how to navigate these compulsive thoughts that you may be having around food. We're going to talk about food noise, what it is. We're going to talk about its purpose. We're going to talk about things that trigger it. And then lastly, we're going to talk about some strategies that may help minimize the food noise for you. For many people, eating is is great. It's pleasurable and it's regular and it's wonderful. But sometimes we are in these periods in our life where those thoughts can dictate our whole life and they can be nagging and you could find yourself being overly obsessed or compulsive thoughts about food. So a lot of times this is called food noise and it really is that you're like ruminating about food, you're thinking about food all the time. And the problem with that is that it can lead to overeating and it can lead to an unhealthy relationship with food. Some of the ways that it manifests itself are in things like you may be obsessively counting calories, you may be constantly thinking about your next meal, which I hear that pretty often, and things like stress and lack of sleep and just having a lot of angst or overwhelm can trigger it. And so I wanted to talk about this topic because one of the things that we have been hearing that patients that are on some of the weight loss medications experience feeling less food noise while they're on the medications. And so I thought that it might be helpful to really talk about this topic because perhaps you're not on a medication, but you are experiencing this. So what are you supposed to do? So first of all, kind of get to a place to know that food noise in itself is defined as these like constant thoughts about food that you may feel like are making food unpleasurable, maybe it's really nagging at you, maybe it's this compulsiveness that you are having about thinking about food. Um, the problem is again that it can lead to over it can lead to overeating and also this unhealthy relationship with food because you're so focused on the food that it's hard to really focus on what your body needs. And physiologically, this idea of having noise surrounding food is very normal. Um, your body is using it as a way to tell your tell it when it needs to eat and when you need to stop eating. So it's crucial, right? Like you need to be able to know when to eat, when to stop eating for your survival, um, and to just maintain adequate nutrition in general. So we know what's interesting is that food noise is decreased while on some of these weight loss medications. And then when people go off the medications, the food noise comes back. But what I think that some of the medications are really helpful for is that 
Even though the food noise isn't silenced forever, it gives people space to be able to recognize that they have it and then also to make some changes that can help them um, in their relationship with food. So I don't think that you have to be on those weight loss medications to be able to change your relationship with food or to decrease the amount of food noise that you're having. So that's why I wanted to talk about it. Like, are there some strategies that you can do today that can kind of help you with that, especially if you're suffering from it? With most women, I suspect that you have periods of your life where things are really really crazy and maybe that's when the food noise is worsened. Um, Maybe you're somebody who has never not had food noise because that's there's emotional stuff that maybe is just kind of that you that you have in your life. So let's kind of talk about some of the things that trigger it and then some of the strategies that may help reduce it in your life. So we know that genetics plays a role here and that certain health conditions, so if you are somebody who has PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, you may be somebody who's more at risk for having that noise. Um, there is also some health conditions associated with it, like if you're somebody who has metabolic syndrome or medications such as like antidepressants, people may experience more food noise. Um, or if people are on beta blockers, they may experience um, more f- food noise. And so it's not just um, health conditions or medications, but we know some lifestyle factors worsen food noise too. And that is when people are feeling stressed, there is this influx of all these like hormones to help you survive, that that may heighten the food noise that you're feeling. Um, and it was meant to kind of be like a survival mechanism, but in all of that, that's kind of what happens too. And we know that inadequate sleep is something also that causes an imbalance in our hunger fullness hormones. And I know that you've all experienced that where you've had times that maybe you weren't eating or that you weren't sleeping and you'll notice that you're probably more prone to food that is more carbohydrate rich um, and that may not really fill you and that may worsen the food noise. And that sleeping can often help regulate those hormones and then kind of get you back on track. So when we talk about like ways that we can quiet some of these things, um, I want you to kind of think about what's happening in your own life, right? And just kind of be a little bit open here. So one of the first things I would say is breaking the diet cycle. So we know that if you're somebody who is like chronically dieting, that that could increase the food noise. And that is because you are probably in this cycle of restricting, binging, restricting, binging. And that cycle of like eating and then restricting and then eating and then restricting um, can cause this compulsive thinking because you're you're so deprived and then you're like, oh my gosh, I want it so bad, the food that I'm not allowing myself to have. And then once you get it, it's hard to it's hard to not like feel that relief, right? And so the goal is to break that diet cycle so that you can have 
a more sustainable purge to eat so that you can kind of keep that food noise in check and so that it feels a lot more balanced instead of having this obsessiveness surrounding food where it's like that up and down, up and down, almost like a seesaw because you're overly restricting and then overly eating and then overly restricting and then overeating. So I, you know, the, I don't believe that diets work. The research doesn't, you know, the research supports that, that we know that people that go on diets don't lose weight. And I think this is a really big part of it is because they just can't quite get out of that diet cycle. And then that causes more and more food noise because they're restricting and nobody wants to be restricted. And so breaking the diet cycle is probably the harder part, but focusing on foods that really are nourishing your body um, is going to kind of be the way out of that so that you can break that food noise. Now, the next thing I would say, which will probably help you with breaking that, that cycle would be really figuring out a way to eat that works for you. So this can look however, um, there's so much stuff out here now with like intermittent fasting and you're supposed to eat five meals a day or three meals a day and five small meals or three big meals. And I think you have to do whatever works for you and that's just trial and error. But what I would do is I would plan regular meals and if you're somebody who needs to add snacks, add snacks too. Um, because what that's going to do is it's going to give you some structure and it's going to allow you to have like if you're able to really structure out what it is you're going to eat and when you're going to eat, it can kind of like, first of all, you don't have to deprive yourself. And then second, it just kind of helps you feel like you have a little bit more control over what it is that you're doing and what you're eating. And so hopefully that will reduce the urge that you're constantly thinking about food because you have a structured plan of when you're going to eat and when you're going to stop. And so because you have an endpoint because you've structured out your meals. And also with this, I would say that you would probably add, I would add protein to every meal you're eating. I would actually start your meals making sure that you have protein and veggies, especially if you're eating lunch and dinner, make sure that you have protein and veggies with it. I think a lot of times I see women and myself, I'm guilty of this, where I, if I start the day and I am just eating like carbs all day and then I can't quite get out of that structure. And then I feel like what happens is is I don't ever quite get that feeling of fullness because I'm eating things that aren't going to give me that feeling of fullness. So with every meal, try to have a little bit of protein, try to have a little bit of veggies in it. Those things will give you the fiber. It'll give you that, hopefully that feeling of satiety and that feeling of fullness. And then if you don't feel that, add a little bit of fat there. So that could be, when I'm talking about fat, I'm usually talking about like, your like olive oil, your um, nuts, your, you know, peanut butter, your nut butter or whatever it is, your um, anything like that's going to give you a little bit of that feeling of satiety and that feeling of fullness. But with that, you don't need a lot of it. You just need a tiny, tiny bit of it. Um, But that could help too, because I think sometimes too, it's like we have this food noise because we're never quite in a place that we ever feel full. And I think that's common for a lot of people too. And that some of that could be the structure of what you're eating and that you can start to 
plan what your day looks like. Because I think that's part of like creating this relationship with food is trying to figure out what works for you. And so do you need to eat three meals a day? Do you need to eat two meals a day? Do you need to eat two meals and a snack? What has worked for you in the past? That's where I would go first and then to experiment with it. Um, And I wouldn't eat if you're not hungry, but just kind of get yourself on a structure. So for instance, I know that I'm going to eat three meals a day. I typically do breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I don't, you know, I don't really snack throughout the day sometimes unless I'm hungry. So in doing that, because I have a set schedule, for me anyway, it's been like, I know what I'm going to eat. I pack my food. I eat these many meals. And then if I'm hungry, I eat. But it allows me to have a little bit more of that space to decide if I need to eat something else. And I think that's what having that structure allows you to do. It allows you to start thinking about, um, it allows you to feel that sense of, okay, now I'm hungry and now I'm full. I think a lot of times when we talk about um, dieting, right, it's, we all know that diets don't work, right? But then what do we do? And we all know that different things work for different people. And we all know the things, we're all experts at this, right? But I think the missing component is, is like, how do you create that relationship with food? What does that look like for you? And that's a very individualized relationship. And so where I would start would be to not restrict yourself. If there's something that you want, eat it, um, but have an end beginning and an end point and have structured meal plans and see what that looks like for you. And that might take like months and months of experimenting to see. Um, But that's where I'd probably start because I think then it just kind of gets you in a place that you're like, okay, I am starting to feel hungry. I'm starting to feel full. And for many people, we are so distracted by our life that it's hard to really recognize any of those hunger and fullness cues because we've been ignoring them for so long. So then the third thing that I would do is coming to this, you know, that we're ignoring it, this idea of practicing mindfulness. I think at the beginning, it's very hard to do that because we're always doing a million different things at one time. And it's very hard to be mindful when we're eating. We're probably on our phone or we're probably watching TV or we're doing something else. But what's really helpful is is that if you are trying to improve your relationship with food, it's important to experience the whole experience and the sensory experience of eating. So that just means like that you're going to sit down while you eat, that you're not going to stand up at the sink. First thing, sit down. Second, I would say like, don't use your phone. Just sit in the discomfort and because it's probably not going to feel really comfortable at the beginning. It's going to feel weird because you don't have your phone in your hand or you're not doing something else and really focusing on eating because all of these things help with the experience of eating and help change your relationship with food in general, that it's not just something that you're, that you have to have, that it's something that can be pleasurable and desirable. Next, I would say is to really get into a place that you are able to, when we talk about, um, when we talk about food, a lot of times, so right now we're talking about like structuring your meal plan, really trying to figure out like, what are your thoughts and your feelings about food? And I think like sitting down at a table can allow you to have that space that you can really start to feel like, okay, I'm feeling this about food. Um, 
you can start to identify any of the the triggers that you're having around food or the things that may um the things that may help satisfy you. So we never get like that quietness when it comes to food, I think for a lot of women because you have so many responsibilities that sometimes being mindful and having that space and that quietness will also allow us to identify things about what we do surrounding food and your th- your thoughts and your feelings that are triggering, you know, maybe this extra food noise that you're having. So to have this idea that you have this space around it, sometimes it doesn't have to be all the time, but like I would do at least a meal so that you can kind of start to figure out some of your patterns here. And then also journaling about it, like writing it down, writing about how you feel. A lot of times when I see women, it's like just really trying to give them the space that they can start to think about what's happening when they eat. Because as women, we're doing a million different things and we don't even know what we're feeling about it. And nobody's going to ask you about it. So sometimes it's just like digging into that and seeing some of the the stuff that's going on around food, some of the thoughts that you're having about food can be really helpful in changing your relationship with food. Um, Next, I would say to get to a place that you can engage in something that really helps you and that can take you away and distract you from the food noise that you're having. So for a lot of people that ends up being exercise, we know that exercise can release adrenaline and can actually make you feel full. Um, you can be reading a book and that can totally distract you so that you're not having that extra noise in the background or any hobby or something that you really like to do. So this can be anything that works in your life. And the idea is that it distracts you enough that it takes you away from the thoughts, the ruminating thoughts over and over again. Um, One of the next things I would say is to have support. We know that social support is really helpful um, in terms of your friends and loved ones who you know understand, but also, you know, seek out support from other ways too. So I think it's not just that you're having your friends and family, that you also, if you really need someone to help you to seek out either a healthcare professional or um, a mental health professional that can help you. Because, you know, having these compulsive food thoughts can cause a lot of distress and can cause a lot of pain. And so it's trying to get to a place that you feel comfortable enough with somebody or seek out the help of the professional if you really feel like you're really having a hard time. Because you shouldn't struggle when it comes to food. And there are lots of professionals out there that can help you. And then lastly, I think this idea of having self-compassion and being kind to yourself. All of you I know out there are having negative self-talk and if you need to seek the help of a mental health professional to help you with that, for sure do that. It's been really helpful in my own life. But this idea that you are deserving and that you need to have compassion with yourself and recognize that it's okay to enjoy food. You don't have to have guilt around it. Um, And it's okay if you have times when you're obsessively eating food. But if it's getting to a place that you're really feeling bad about it, or it's really um, putting you in a place that you don't feel like you're able to control it, I would definitely seek the help of someone that can help you. So in conclusion, we know that 
all of this when it comes to food thoughts and this ruminating about food that it's not something that is just going to go away quickly. It's going to be something that you're probably going to have to practice and see what works for you. But overall, it's really necessary because underlying any healthy relationship with food is this way that you're trying to find some kind of balance. And it's hard to find that balance if you're constantly inundated with these food noises in the background. So whatever can work for you, um, you know, whether that is, whether that is really just like trying to not restrict what foods you're eating anymore so that you can break that diet cycle, whether it's having structured meal plans with some protein and some veggies and maybe adding a little fat if you need to at meals, whether it's allowing space by being mindful when you eat and allowing yourself to kind of figure out and tease out the thoughts that you're having about food, all of those things are going to help you develop a healthy, healthier approach to eating. And then also if you need to seek out any professional or social support, that that's helpful too. And that, you know, as a reminder, like you're not alone in the struggle and I think a lot of women are where you are too. And I would say too, like, think about the lifestyle changes that are happening with you. Are you in a place that you feel like your emotions are all over the place and you're overly stressed? Well, hopefully getting to the underlying or the root or allowing and figuring out activities that can help you um, manage that stress will also help with the food noise too. And then also remembering that sleep was something that makes it worse. So is there ways that you can control the amount of sleep that you have so that you feel like you have a little bit more control of your thoughts too? So let me know what you guys think. You can certainly find me over at Whole Health Empower on Instagram, or you can find me on my website at trishard.com and um, let me know your thoughts. I hope you guys have a great week and I'll see you back here next week.